Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Psych in the City. Today I have a very special episode with the best guest ever, in my opinion, which is my father, Gary Abel, a radical parent, a renegade, <laughs> an outlaw from the 60s and 70s, an old hippie. He's living up in the woods and we could barely get him on reception today, uh, living in Willits, California. Welcome, Dad. Well, thank you for quite an introduction. Yeah, we're up on the end of the food chain. We're supposed to be on, I guess, a podcast, but now we're on FaceTime because we're the very end of the food chain. We're the last information to come out and the first to get here. (laughs) Whatever the hell that means. Whatever the hell that means. (laughs) Well, that means that you guys should know more about who we are up here. You think? Yeah, I think so, because we're like out in the woods and we worry about everybody at downtown, of course, because there's, you know, all the information you guys are getting that's <laughs> scrambling your brains. It worries us. We don't get much information. We had a storm come through last week that blew down every tree and stopped, closed every highway, tore down all the pg and all the telephones. So that reminded us that was quite a little lesson on nature that, oh, that's right. Nature's still in charge of this, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, he, if you guys out there, basically my dad lives in the middle of a redwood forest. He has a redwood tree growing th- through his front deck. It's yep. it's majestic. It's beautiful. But they've been ravaged this year by fires and power outages. And he's been yep. displaced. Like, Dad, tell me about that. Oh, big storms. You know, the fires last year, you know, they keep getting further because we've been in drought for like 14 years. You guys, believe it or not, have gotten more weather than we have last year. And how unusual is that? You know, when you were born up here, how it rained every day. In fact, the year you were born, it raised, and I won't say what year that was. I don't care. But it's but I mean basically we come from the woods. It's like every time I try to tell my story, people think it's absurd or it's made up or it's ridiculous because it's so out there. Um so that's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is just to be like, Yeah, we were crazy renegade, rebellious hippies living in the woods and making our own rules and and um why not, you know? Well that was my fault. <laughs> I just got out of the sick out of the service, and it was the sixties, and we didn't want anything else to do with um, the society as it existed. We weren't into capitalism. We weren't into any of that. We all came north to get the hell away from, find out what was under the pavement, and get the hell away from the powers that be. It was the sixties. We were we were definitely changing society, and and we did change it a lot for the better. We feel, <laughs> of course, yeah. Pretty I mean, egotistical about it. Well, and to be clear, I wasn't born in the 60s. <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah, to be clear. I didn't mean to insinuate that. No, to be clear. We're joking. I'm so vain, right? I'm so vain. Yeah. But I love the way you raised me. And it's like you say, Mother Nature is in charge and the earth is our God. I mean, it was like I was born on the Indian Reservation. And I really feel that empowered my spirit to be all 
it is today and understand the value of our earth and the earth is our God and how important it is to honor her. It did very much, very much shape you. You're a child of that, of the 60s, the whole revolution of the 60s and us and your mother and me coming north and becoming homesteaders and, and you being born in an Indian reservation, having a lot of Indian influence and your and then your um, naturally good parentage. Yeah, my radical parenting. You, you guys didn't do anything. I mean, you know, it's, I mean, not that, <laughs> I mean, there wasn't a lot of parenting. It's like um, Deepak Chopra says, you know, he lets his children do what they want and sort of, he let them do what they yes. wanted and sort of mold their own selves into, you know, whoever they wanted yep. to be. And I think that's what you did with us. It was, you sort of said, you know, create your own reality. Yep. Uh, like I say, you're the, you're the generation that paid for us because we didn't want any more to do with society. So we we're going to give you guys full reign to, to make up your own minds, what was right, and wrong, how to run things and all that. You very much did. You know, you're the you guys are the um, uh, the first free generation <laughs> because, yeah. because we were so spaced out. We just says, hey, you know, let's redo the order. And you guys very much did. Look at what you've done your generation i mean from taking over from the 60s all we did is we didn't want any more to do with it you guys rebuilt something we were just going ah we got to get rid of all this crap we don't want nothing to do with it forget about it came to the woods to live and you know that that formed you and you were born there and you know and your whole um, childhood was not being um institutionalized or anything it was like no make up your own minds you know which is which is probably a very um selfish thing for us to do but hey if it works I know. Dad, watch your hands. You say, just like on Talladega Nights, you want to know what to do with your hands. What do I do with my hands? <laughs> don't, make, don't bang them because it makes noise. <laughs> oh, I got you. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm going to put them here on the floor. <laughs> <I've> got... <laughs> but um, so I, want, I wanted to talk to you about um, the first time you noticed my abilities. When we lived in that house in Freshwater, and there was that ghost we had in the rocking chair. Yep. And that thing would rock like crazy, and there would be, I would smell the smoke of the, the ghost with that man who died in front of our place. Yep. And that was weird, because you were the first one that, that actually, um, you know, it was just a weird thing going on with us, but you were the one that tuned into that, and you actually tuned into the to the spirit of that that human in a in a in a good way but then sometimes it horrified you because you were a child you know you didn't know what the hell was going on or once you realized that hey this is a little different maybe i you know maybe i'm not supposed to be like communing with this spirit that's not here you know right looking at you like whoa wait a minute you know maybe maybe this one's not right you know But we didn't we didn't know what was going on either. You know, that's the first time that the one of the first instances where it showed that you were super uber sensitive to um, uh, uh, things in the cosmos. Yeah, you know, it was different because and then it, then it, then it developed from there. But you're very much at first it was you'd feel any kind any time there was pain around you, somebody that in anguish or somebody in pain or that sort of thing, not physical pain, but any kind of anguish or grief or that sort of stuff, you'd pick it up real quick and it was weird and it would disturb you. You know, you'd cry and and um 
and you know, I couldn't, I could, it took me a long time to figure that out. I thought, why the hell is she crying right now? We, we just had a, a great meal, you know, we just slept. She's waking up from sleeping, and all of a sudden, you'd be upset. And then you, I connect, I finally started connecting it with me being around people that were in anguish or sorrow or something was going on in their life that wasn't quite right, you know, in their souls. Right. And you'd, and you'd pick that up. And once I realized that, I, I would intentionally, because I'm your dad, I would intentionally take you around people that were um, that I knew were having a hard time or something like that, or depressed or something, and watch your reaction and to confirm it. I did confirm that that you were uber sensitive to all this stuff as a baby. You didn't even know what the hell you were doing. Well, and then all the deaths around us. Every time someone died, I would know before they died. That was yeah. horrifying. Yeah, that had to be as a child. I know. You didn't know why why you were chosen to to know that stuff, and I can't answer that for you either. That's a different one, you know, because I don't, you know, I can't relate to that too much. I can relate that my daughter does it, but it, you know, for me, it doesn't. I I never know those things or events are coming. You know, mm -hmm. I dream stuff, but your psychic abilities are are very much your own. You know, I mean, you're my child, but you're. You know, you don't own your kids, and it's when you're born, you're very much a different human until you take on all those attributes and a lot of the Indian influence. You know, because there was a heavy, as you know, there's there's uh, about 12, 15 tribes right around Burt Ranch there were when you were born, you know, on the reservation and stuff. Yeah. Different tribes, some very spiritual ones and some really horrendous ones. I know. That's the funny part is like it's so chic to be into Native American culture and all this stuff. But it's like we went through some shit, you know, yeah. we went through some gnarly shit. Like, I mean, some people are intense and partiers and crazy and we were outlaws, you know. Gnarly shit. And they make it, you know, but the the um, mystique of the american indian you know and the and the, the beauty of it and of course they're beautiful wonderful aboriginal the first people and all that stuff i understand all that but the actuality of it is it wasn't all just peaches and cream no. baby. it was some gnarly shit going on you know? oh there's a lot of alcohol around there was a lot of partying i remember and there was a lot of danger and we we, I mean, we were hitchhiking, we were siphoning gas, we were yeah. hopping freight trains. I mean, this is the stuff I can't tell people because they think it's absurd, they think it's made up, they think it's bullshit. I mean, Dad, we were hopping freight trains to get from state to state. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That's how you, that's how it went back then. We didn't want anything to do with society. We we're going to travel or hop a freight train, whatever the hell it took. But no, we were out. We checked out. We we're the gentle hell's angels and you're the result of that. Yeah. I mean, we would literally hop a fucking freight train. I mean, we would jump into the boxcar. I remember so vividly and the rides were wonderful. Yeah. Then cruising over, looking at the landscape, just free as a bird. Yeah. You loved it. The wind in your face, the whole thing. You know? Yeah, it was fantastic. It's like not knowing not knowing that you were a federal criminal at that time. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I remember seeing you siphoning gas from cars in order for us to live. In order for us to actually drive a car, you would have to siphon and I would see you spitting gas out. You'd run across the street with a hose. <laughs> pull some gas from a car spit it out i mean and i'd be and it was the gnarliest thing to see gas in my dad's mouth just going like this is what we have to fucking do to get some gas today <laughs> you know what i mean yes yes i do 
It's like that shit makes you so strong and that shit makes you real, you know? Yep, it does. And then the to that point, because there was no money was not a we didn't we didn't want money or have nothing to do with it. The least we had to do with money, the better off we we were because we knew it was bondage. We we were the first generation to figure out, hey, this bullshit is not working. You know, money's just bond is a is a bondage. It's you're slave to it. So of course we tried went all the way out and did do it. To, to that effect, you guys were, you and your sister were raised on fresh vegetables from the garden. Well, even your baby food was run through a blender and it was just fresh vegetables all the time. And your immune systems are like, are like horses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, they really are your healthiest horse from that first, you know, that first part of childhood, the first three years or something, you're on a physical nature, the the, you know what the input the fresh air the fresh water and, and hopping freights and you know just running through the woods and all that stuff and eating just what was off the land you know gave you that start that that keeps you that healthy you know yeah and hitchhiking and you know taking baths in the river it's like yeah. this stuff yeah. is like a, a not heard of i think i don't know i mean but it gave me my fearlessness too i i'm not fearful of much you know I don't think you are. I think it did leave you you fearless because you've seen you. So by the time you um, became aware and realized that you were like a poor hippie child. Yeah. You were, you were already had been through it all your life. Well, shit, I ain't scared of nothing now. No. I mean, remember when I was mugged in Venice? I was mugged at gunpoint. Yeah. What? And the guy, I looked him in the eyes and I said, fuck you. Yeah. I said, my handbag is expensive and I'm not giving it up. Yeah, and then you fought with him and kept it. Yeah. You know, that's unbelievable. I said, no, 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 give him the handbag. You know, fuck you. I'm t- you're not taking shit from me, brother. You picked the wrong kid. <laughs> that was awesome. But not, I don't recommend it. Of course, if somebody's asshole runs up and grabs your bag or whatever, give it to him. Nah. You don't. said, nope. <laughs> nope. Not this time. <laughs> but Dad, it's like we talk about, I think it's really cool to be able to talk with you about this sort of feeling of being in a, a state of bliss, a state of consciousness that is the state between thoughts, this this place of, of bliss. Um, and you and I have it. We have this bond together where we are in this Zen-like state all the time, pure, pure yeah. happiness. And, um, you know, we, not pure happiness, that's the wrong word, but we kind of... It is the wrong word, but, but I know what you're getting at. And between, the, between the ups and downs of life and stuff, there's that thread that runs under it all that goes, that um, this, this is not a place of thought or a place of... of uh, determination or a place of uh any form of of um, prejudice or decisions or any of that stuff exactly and And you taught me where how to get there i think effortlessly but i've been there since probably the age of 12 to be honest yeah you have you know when you turned me on to siddhartha i read siddhartha and i was like i'm done yep you and then know. walking and harvesting plants, native plants and stuff in the woods when you were, you know, you were, you were barely walking and you were out, you know, harvesting plants and getting the respect for how many you took and, 
you know, leaving enough so it could regenerate and that sort of thing, you know, just being a part of it all. So, yeah, you did. You picked it up pretty early because you were certainly aloof in high school. I was a goth. <laughs> I was an uh, awesome goth kid. Your dad calls me OG, you guys, which is original goth. So that's my nickname from my dad, original goth. And oh, yeah, and I fucking love goth, goth culture. Yeah. I'm obsessed with goth culture. I think it's fabulous. It's fucking yeah, fabulous. Yeah, no, I do too. <laughs> you call me OG. Original goth. We've come up with some stuff. Oh, yeah. So in high school, I was very dark because I was going through this whole... Am I psychic? Am I bipolar phase, right? Am yeah. I just totally insane? Yeah, trying to figure it all out. And, and you were in and you were in places that you didn't want to be, you know, coming from the woods and everything, and all of a sudden you're in these big mature environments or whatever you call them, you know. Oh yeah, Lake Tahoe is a dump. Yeah, it was like, no, no. It was a dumpy place to live. I always wanted to be in Hollywood, always. And that's the thing. It's like all this stuff we're talking about, it's it's like, you know, wellness is very trendy right now, which is great, you know. I mean, people should be well, but it's some, it's just the way we lived our lives. And sometimes I get flack for being fashionable or glamorous or this or that, but that's who I am. I'm not going to fucking pretend to be a hippie because – no. You guys are hippies. I was raised by hippies. That's in my soul. I don't have to wear a dashiki and yeah. and like act like I'm in a drum circle because that doesn't appeal to me. But Heather, you figured out early on that you need to celebrate the self as well. If you're going to celebrate the rest of humanity, you celebrate yourself. And then part of that is your design features and factor and how you keep yourself and how you how you walk and how you present yourself. All very important, you know. Absolutely. And like grandma was such a debutante, such a beautiful woman. And I, was. I really, grandma's spirit is always with us, as you know, yep. in yep. the rose gardens and the roses and, and all in the ether. And the thing about this, you're, you're, um, you know, I, I, who is, it was today I was talking to somebody about you and I said, oh, as soon as she was a butterfly and as soon as she could flutter to the neon, she did. I love that, Dad. Isn't that beautiful? But she did, because, you know, your roots are, uh, you have a lot of roots in L.A., too, and you weren't aware of that. I know. You were born up here, but when you went back, you know, you're right there where Grandma ran and Grandpa and all of them. You know, you're right, right on top of that right now. They were probably in those houses you're in. But I love that you you honor the city, Dad. You have an affinity for the city. You're not like, you're not so so closed off that you're like, I'm never leaving the Redwoods and fuck this. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, no. I love I love L.A. and I love San Francisco. There's not many other cities. Denver, because I've spent a little time there, I love that too. But L.A. has a, the grittiest, most beautiful city spirit on the planet, you know? Yeah. It's just a, it's a really a gritsy place, man. Gritsy, glitzy. Yeah. Know? But yeah, it's my soul when I pull in there. I love that. I love that whole, the whole basin. I, you know, I spent the 60s down there. Well, it's you know, like you're like me. You like to experience the culture, the diversity, the food, yeah. the difference yeah. in, in everything and, and the aliveness of yeah. it all, you know. And the, and the beauty of, of not, not putting us aside from the rest of the world, but California, you know, 
we're right on the edge of the universe. You know, we're the, the, the last thing settled. The whole earth was settled and they came across and settled California. This is the last frontier. It really is. It's not Alaska or Antarctic or anything. It was California. It still is. And Los Angeles and San Francisco, those two cities in particular, with the, the culture and the, and the cohesiveness of all of the blending of all the societies and all the cultures of the world in those two cities is just fantastic. Yeah. Tell me about when you met mom, like how you guys decided to move to the middle of nowhere. Like, what did you do? You just drove up to the middle of nowhere and said, I'm going to live here or what? Yes, exactly. Stop it. That's the end of the story. I got out of the service and, and I, and I, I took my travel money in um, South Carolina. They were supposed to fly me back to LA because that's where I was inducted. Instead, I took my travel money in South Carolina where I was. So, you know, the, the money had hitchhiked back home and I stopped because I was all fucked up. So I stopped in Kansas City and they were, they were um, uh, harvesting uh, melons at that time. So I went out to the dumpsters and got melons out of the dumpsters, ate a lot of melons. And I went to the library and I'd listen to Indian chants and stuff on the headphones. First time when headphones had come out in the library. And then I wanted out of Kansas. So I, I went to a newspaper rack and I put a quarter in, took all the newspapers and I sold the Kansas City Gazette walking through the restaurants because <laughs> I needed some dough to get across the country. So I, I, I got a big handful of money, probably 30 bucks or something, and started hitchhiking out of Kansas. Came back to Oakland and I bought a 50 Ford pickup, went down, got your mom, and then and she, she hopped in and we took off for Northern California. Then we wandered around up there for like crazy people looking for a place to land, looking for the right place for probably a month and a half. She was just about to leave. She says, you're out of your mind. She goes, I don't know what you're looking for. <laughs> and tell, and it was called Burnt Ranch Population 100. It was Population 10 when we got there. It's Population 100 now. Stop it. Yeah, it was 10. It was it's cool. so insane. I know it is insane. There's 100 people there now. Oh, my so God. So it's pretty Dad. crowded. What was it like being a nom? Well, that was no fun for anybody. That was, you know, you hear you're all, you're a kid one day you're surfing, the next day you're wandering around the friggin' jungle wondering what the hell's going on, people shooting at you, and you're just like dumb, you know? That's it was like, it was shocking because, you know, you're so young, you didn't, and naive, you didn't think that, um, that people were capable of anything that heinous, no. you know, when you're young. You had no idea that the human any human with the beauty of being a human being could possibly lower themselves to a level of, uh, of killing each other. It was just, it was just a shock to a, a young, young man's system, which it is to everybody. I'm sure you know, it's like, what the hell's going on here? All this beauty and all this um, ability to do things and who we are and spiritualness and all that stuff. And we're capable of doing that. So, that's the main part about that. I think for everybody that's ever been in the services that that it exists, that there's that that actually happens. You know? And you and call it, it child abuse. It is child abuse. You know, if you take young men, send them to war, all nations, all countries, it's child abuse. Take your 18-year-olds and send them off to war. Who does that? Right. To be, to be killed. I mean, come on. So that you can stay home and... and be rich and suck on lobster while they're over there crawling through the jungles. It just doesn't uh, stack up in my mind. And but, remember when you and Uncle Rick, you were the story goes, you guys, that my dad was coming off the Monterey Pops Festival 
they were high as hell on mescaline oh, and boy. went to the draft. Or what happened? That was a beautiful three days at Monterey. Unexpected. Nobody expected that festival to be what that was. It was just amazing. But we got there. Oh, and then you're talking about the uh, being abducted. And- yes, when you were on mescaline, and they didn't even give a shit back then. They were like, no, "Okay, they- you're high as fuck on mescaline. Let's no, put you in care. the navy." <laughs> they didn't care. We went down, and but we were sure we had it covered. You know, we'd stay drunk and mescaline and everything we could do, and not slept for like a week. We just got as trashed as we could, <laughs> and we're positive that they weren't going to take us. That was the whole point, right? Yeah. And we walked in there; they didn't give a shit. We were both belonged in an emergency room at that point. <laughs> <laughs> we just barely crawled in, and they said, "Yep, yeah, you're our boy." Stamp the papers, and off you go. Oh my god. I know. <laughs> So I was reading this article about how people your age aren't with it or like you're not, um, you're so square and this and that. And then they were speaking of radical parents and saying like, oh, but there are some radical parents out there. And I said, well, my dad's a radical parent. And then I thought, this is bullshit. Like there's a lot of radical parents, don't you think? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I would think, and you're you're talking about old people getting bored, you know, and that's uh, that doesn't happen in our in us. Like uh, your grandma, when she, I went in there one day, she was eighty five or something. Stopped by and saw her. I took her an AARP magazine, and I came back, and she says, she says, Gary, that magazine you brought me is for old people. <laughs> I says, Yeah, mom. Well, did you did you look at it? She goes, I looked at one article. She says it was about um, uh, old people and depression. And she says, I already decided against that. (laughs) (laughs) So why would I read an article about it? No, I already decided, nah, nope. But you always say that, Dad. You always say it's about choosing to be happy. I mean, there's there's a lot of controversy around this. Of course, people, some people do need meds and stuff, but... Or med, I don't know about meds. It's a, it's just such a rabbit hole. But you've always yes. you've always maintained that you've just decided to be happy. You do, you do. and you have that in your in your um, that's in your will and your and your makeup and your mind to be happy. It's okay not to be. You know, you don't have to be happy. That's an overused word. A lot of people prefer to be a little bit sullen and a little depressed and this and that, you know, that's okay too. It's a choice though that we talk about a lot because it really is, you know, and I don't want to negate psychological science and all that kind of stuff, but I've talked to a lot of people about this, you know, when they were down a little bit and stuff, you know, it's not clinical depression I'm talking about. That's a different thing, but, and, um, and it is a choice you make. You know, to man, you can pull yourself out of it just by saying, "Hey, you know what? Fuck this." Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, mm-hmm. And then you have to do it, and then take a couple steps in that direction, and it'll pull you right out of it. But you have to make that effort. If you if you're not willing to make that effort, that means that you want to stay in that state. I've. It's like I've I've never seen you depressed. I've seen twice twice. Once when we saw ET, and once when you divorced mom. Yeah. Those are the two times I've seen you cry. Yeah. And it's not that kind of stoic thing where you're not showing your emotions. You're deeply emotional, spiritual, sensitive, all these things, but never a depression. Yeah, no, never a depression. I was crushed, though, when your 
But when your mom took you girls, that was the the huge crushing blow. And then when I saw you after you, you came back after that week and I realized that, you know, I wasn't going to have you all the time. Yeah, that crushed me. Oh, God, yeah. Hardly. What was the other time? When we saw E.T. Oh, yeah. E.T. <laughs> <laughs> And Stripes. Remember when we watched Stripes? No. In a motel? When it first came out with Bill Murray, we were in a motel and we had to get up. All three of us were just laughing so goddamn hard. We had to get up and turn the TV off. Well, was, this, well, let's talk about some of our grifts. We would we would do, um, you would have us all hide because he, my dad was dating this woman, this redheaded woman with a tattoo on her boob of a rose. And she drove a yellow Stingray Corvette. And yep. she had three kids, so there was five kids, and we would yep. pull in to the hotel, and we would all hide in the car, and they would get one fucking room, <laughs> yeah. and then they would open the door to the car, and we would all scramble into the one hotel room, We'd all and it'd be two beds, and we would jump from bed to bed, back and forth, until we basically broke the springs in the bed, and then the owner of the hotel would come to the door and say, get the fuck out of here, you dirty hippies. <laughs> Yeah, kick us out, dirty hippies, and wrecking his, wrecking his establishment. So then we'd go to the river, and everybody jump in with a bar of soap. <laughs> <laughs> and then, same thing at the movie theater. Everyone would hide. It was a drive-in, and everyone yeah. would hide. And under yeah. a blanket, my dad would be like, shut up, shut up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shut the hell up. You're going to get us busted here. <laughs> Then we get in and pull out the barbecue and the beer and whatever. Oh <laughs> and we didn't give a shit. Yeah, uh, back to pick up, up, hang the speaker, and get out, start party, and watching a movie. Oh you know? my god! But every day was a party, and that's why I think, like in my life now, every day is a party too. Because I just, why should we be miserable? Like, why can't we have every day be a party? Yep, yep, and it should be. And if you're right on track, it should be. You know, it should be every day should be lived for the day it is. We get so wrapped up in this bullshit. I'm guilty of sin of it. Get, I get so wrapped up in work and stuff that I find my my brows furrowed and, you know, and all this stuff. You see people walking around with, with scowling. I'm, I, and I think, what the hell are you scowling about? Hey. You, live in, you live in America. You have a refrigerator at home. You have fresh food. You have fresh water. You're driving a car. I mean... <laughs> That's how I feel every day. I think, you know, as cliche as it might sound, but like because of my humble beginnings, I'm I'm just grateful for like good cheese at the market. You know, that's right. That's right. I really am. Hell yes, and it's a party. Whereas it had you have been raised with all that, you've seen people that are raised with all that. that doesn't mean as much. It's like it's expected, and if it's not good enough, it's not there. But yeah, you still do very much appreciate a good cheese from the market or a, a wine or a, like when we go out to tea down there, we're both just ecstatic with every little sip of tea or chunk from the deal of the people and all that stuff. You know, it's all very, very cool. Yeah. It's, it's like my gratitude is always so high, you know, because yeah. we didn't have shit. I mean, we were we were in the dirt. Yep. You yep. know? Voluntarily. Voluntarily. Yeah. yeah, that's what that was a life that we chose. 
was, oh, no, we're going to do it. Or at least me, I'm guilty of most right. of it. But I remember we, we there was a little market, and I went down and I got these these Lucite shoes, these Barbie shoes. And it was like, that was the sort of turning point in my life. I think at age six, and I got these Lucite Barbie shoes, these little high heels. And I was walking around the commune and on the dirt and all that, that area in the reservation. And I just felt like so fancy. Yes, yes. And so it's like that saying, like nature or nurture or whatever. I, I was just like my own person. You were. And and you didn't mind you didn't mind standing out. You did stand out. You could you couldn't give a shit less. But it was way earlier than those lucite shoes. You were doing color forms when you were like two or three, right? You know, and you take you were already into fashion design and all of that stuff. It was came natural to you. It's in your DNA, right? Oh, and right. we were and again no access to like Vogue magazine, nothing. And I was already doing fashions. You know, yeah. I just. Yeah. It's like, but we also, this is how I saw television, I remember, was we had the car battery with a TV hooked up to it. That's how we watched TV. And the only show I saw, Charlie's Angels. Yeah. The best fucking show on the planet. That's right. That's right. That is right. And yeah, you saw it when it had sputtered in and out, but you watched it. Yeah. You know, and I'd go out from the house and stick the little cables on the battery and you could watch it for an hour or two and then we'd have to start the truck. Oh my God. Hilarious, Dad. Hilarious. I mean, good stuff. It is good stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's like, and then we were talking about parenting and how people can be so precious. And and when you would drive me down to, to do your business, your quote-unquote business of yes. whatever uh, when we when you were a kid, and you'd throw me in the, the Carmagia, and I, I was teething, and what, what was the deal? I had that little baby bed, and you'd come with it. You were a baby, but I had that. It was a little baby bed. It's only a couple feet long, and it's would throw in the back seat. There's no seat belts or any of that bullshit or car seats that – to sit, sit that in the back seat and put all your food and all your crap in there, diapers and all that stuff, put you in there. You'd sleep most of the way because you love traveling down the road. And then we'd head for down the where the five had just been put in. You could go out the five and there was no traffic, nobody. You'd just sail along because it was mainly just trucks. And the, when they put that thing through, all the traffic was over on 99 because there was businesses. And five was just for trucks. So I'd take the five because you could go 80 and no problem and you just sleep but you'd always wake up at that like a couple miles there's a slaughterhouse down there still there oh Hen henson's or henderson's or something yeah the parker ranch or something like that. right some, some ranch harris ranch harris ranch yeah but they have a big slaughterhouse out there and you'd wake up that noise wake you up you'd cry 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 scream all the way through there till we were like five miles either side of it you know couldn't couldn't calm you down because you were picking up on the cows. And then you would give me whiskey. And then, yeah. When we, <laughs> when we, came, when we drove, we drove it all the way back. We were like nine, ten hours into the trip, and we got back up in Redding, and I was going to head back into the hills from Redding. And I pulled out on 299, and just before there was a Safeway there, just before we headed up there in the mountains where there's nothing, and it was just getting dark. And I pulled in the store and you were screaming, screaming, you were teething and you had two of them popping in on the bottom and they were just driving you nuts and I'd rub on them and then you'd scream a little bit and then you'd get a little bit of comfort and then they'd start hurting you again. So I pulled in that Safeway and went in and got a pint of whiskey 
you know, I had you in my arms. And I bought just the whiskey. I came out in the parking lot and I had you in my arms and I opened the whiskey and I was getting it on my finger and rubbing it on your gums, rubbing it on your gums. And you were just starting to calm down a little bit. And I looked at the whiskey. I took a big old drink and dropped it back down. I looked and these two people in this car in front of me were watching me and they were just laughed. <laughs> They saw dad tried to calm his daughter down, and then finally it was like, fuck it, man, I need a little whiskey, dude. <laughs> then we hopped in and kept traveling for another three or four hours through the mountains to I get home. I love it. <laughs> I like, well, I don't know. It's it's hard because, you know, there's all this sort of psychological mumbo-jumbo or, or, or you know, uh, I've been in therapy, of course, before in my life, and I remember... Well, my ex-husband had a, a prominent psychiatrist as a as a dad, and oh, yeah. remember you and he really got along. And yeah, he, I liked him. He said to you once, "Gary, if you ever need me, yeah, he did. Here is my private number." He did. Well, <laughs> I was I was talking to him just like like normal. And I said, "Hey," I says, "You know." I says, "I told him some story about something." I says, "Yeah, I thought maybe I was going nuts or something." I'm talking to this prominent psychiatrist. So immediately his response was, he grabbed my arm, he looked me deep in the eyes, and he says, Gary, if you ever need <laughs> any anybody to talk to, he says, here's my private number, you can call me anytime. And I was like, no, no, I'm good. Right. I'm not really going crazy. It's a cliche, it's something you say. It's like... But like with therapy, I'm not, da- I'm not bashing it or anything, but it's like... You know, w- with you raising me, there's like there wasn't really any boundaries, <laughs> and there's not there's not like any decorum, and there's not like any fear, and there's not like all this stuff. So I'm I'm not highly appropriate all the time. No, uh, not yeah. Yeah, and you know me, I'm like fearless and kind of wacky and crazy, but I'm also like a big lover, and you know that. That can come across the wrong way sometimes because I'm so loving and so open and so in your face about it, you know. Yeah. So one can argue, okay, you know, she needs boundaries. She needs this. She needs that. And so I think the way you raised me to be so open and loving can sometimes come at me as like a fault for some people. Because these days, sadly, I think people don't openly love each other enough. Anymore. Yeah, I think so, too. I think they've. I think they've learned not to. Of course, that's learned behavior, you know. Kids, you throw a bunch of kids in a playground, and they're all playing together. They don't give a damn about anything. But you still have that. Anytime I've noticed in these last, the, the tumultuous last couple of years of politics, every time anybody wants to talk politics, you go, no politics. Nope. No politics. No. No politics. No. And that's the proper response. It's all bullshit. It's, when did it become okay? Like, it's... Yeah. Highly inappropriate politics, religion, and sex. That was really well said. When did it become okay? That's right. Because, yeah, we didn't used to, nobody used to babble that bullshit. I, I'm not into it, you know? No, I know. I know. You're, you're pure. You still have that clean, that clean heart, clean way of looking at stuff. And I wouldn't worry about people that are, sure, you know, it is sad, though, that, you know, the learned behavior, you know, the hate and, and sadness and grief and all that—that's all learned behavior, you know. It's not something that we're we're born we're born to embrace. It's it's learned, you know. And I'm still hugging people with COVID. I just say, yeah. "Can I hug you?" I don't. I have to hug. I have to. My heart yeah. hurts. 
Yeah. And as I long know. as somebody says, okay, you can hug me, I will. I don't care. Yep. Yesterday I was out at that deal and everybody was doing, doing the right thing, social distance. I spent the day out there, hiked a whole 20 acres. Man, I was exhausted. It was straight up and down. Went to all the corridors and the water lines and all that stuff. Came back in this that girl from Garden Grove I was telling you about mm-hmm. when I was leaving, she because she was out there with us all day, just keeping up with us and just going and showing us what she knew about. She'd lived on the property for a long time with her, the woman that owned it. And when we were leaving, she looked at me and I said, you know, it's really, really good to meet you. I says, and I really appreciate all your time and everything. She goes, well, I'm a hugger. And she grabbed me. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm a hugger. You know, I said, See, yeah, it's me like- too. I don't. I don't know. Like maybe we're completely politically incorrect with this whole talk, but I don't give a fuck. It's just like this is who we are, you know. Well, on a health on a health level, think about it. Uh, um, how healthy is a good hug? Exactly. It it, <laughs> it raises your serotonin, right? Yeah, yeah. You it does. Your your whole thing, your whole attitude, your whole all your stuff. You know, that's all important. We're social creatures, you know. Exactly. And, need to interact with each other and stuff like that. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. How it goes. But, you know, psychology and all that, I think that's a great, a great science. Like, like you stretching your psychic abilities to talking to people. That's really good. The idea, the whole idea of that is you've got somebody that you can talk to about it and you get a, 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 uh, and unbiased feedback because they have no no motive in your life you being psychic gives it a different bent because then as a psychic you can also ease over into advice and, and and predictions and that sort of thing so it's even more important but if somebody you talk to it's very important people need people to talk to oh god it's been so healing for me too just to help people right now you know yeah it's been yep. so healing dad you also got have to help yourself. You know, that's the part when, when I was talking about you being you and dressing and all that stuff. You know, you can't take care of the rest of the human race unless you take care of the other. Right. You Because know, you're part of it. In order to be fair, I think I've preached this ever since you as a baby too, to be fair to, to the human race, to be fair to people, you have to realize that you're a people too. Well, yeah, Dad, and you've always been so supportive of me. I mean, I can tell. I mean, my dad and I, we we have lived by an outlaw creed, you know. Yep. I mean, we yep. we were in Ikea one day. We had an entire bed in our cart, and my dad said, the line's too long. Let's just roll it on out of here, you know. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and stuff like that, it might sound fucked up, but it's just like we just have that rebel spirit. Yep. It's just like that's just how we roll. Like I, I was drive through in Beverly Hills or this uh, valet, and it was the end of the day, and the restaurant had shut down, and I stayed long with my friend, and so the valet had shut down, and I came out, and they said it's gonna be forty dollars because we're we're closed now, and I said okay, let me get my ticket out of my glove box, and yep. so I reached in my glove box and I just. Instead of getting the ticket, I gave him the bird and sped away. And so I told my dad this story, and he was so proud of me. And so it's like stuff like this is how we roll, you know? It's like yeah, a, a normal dad would be like, how dare you, terrible yeah. woman. 
But at the same time, on that rebel spirit, you're guilty of, of going to drive-thrus and paying for the guy behind you all the time or toll booths or whatever. Well, exactly. There's 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 karma, and we, we do beautiful things for people, too. Like you say, Dad, yeah. you taught me to... Yeah. You taught me to pay for the drive-through behind me, pay for the toll bridge behind me to to do. It's like Robin Hood type shit. Like we we Robin balance it out. Shit. It is Robin Hood type shit. And if you follow all the rules all the time, that's not good for your health either. Right. And if you steal, it should only be from corporate America. Of course, of course, <laughs> of course, <laughs> Robin Hood. <laughs> And then take it to the drive-through and give it to the guy behind. Exactly. <laughs> That's terrible. I know. Oh my god, Dad! You're also guilty of uh, of taking your nephews in the back door to Legoland to get in for free. Oh yeah, I did that. I snuck them into Legoland. No, I snuck them into the VIP. Lego oh, land to the, oh, the like posh restaurant, the whole thing. Like we had the star treatment. We got in an hour early. We were like VIPs. Yeah. I love sneaking into places. Yeah, of course. Oh, of course. so good. When I was a kid, we'd always send one guy into the movie theater and he'd go down and open the exit door for the rest of us standing outside. <laughs> and we'd all run in real quick because the light had come on. Then we'd run for seats and hide. They couldn't figure out who we were and all this bullshit. I mean, if you're not an outlaw, you're not having fun. No, you're not. Laws are made to be broken. You know, all these rules and rules and rules they make for us. It's a bunch of bullshit. It is. Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> As you're not hurting anybody, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God, Dad. I'm... The luckiest man on earth. Oh, Dad, you're so sweet, but I honestly just want to say, like, it's it's because of your non guidance that we became so good. By giving us no guidance whatsoever. Yeah. Except yeah. for spiritual wisdom. Yeah. We turned out pretty good. No, you turned out fantastic. But I would, if you remember, I was a bit of an authoritarian. If you screwed up, it was snap out of it. Yeah, right. You were not an authoritarian. But yeah, when my dad said snap out of it, that was like the thing where you're like, oh, I think he's pissed. And then once we got older, we realized snap out of it was like, whatever. Yeah, I know. Right? As you got older, you went whatever to all of it. Like, come on, dad. Oh, my God. <laughs> Too much fun. Uh, too much fun, Dad. I love you. I love you too, and I'm so proud of you, girls. I'm proud of you. Did we? Did we kill it? We killed it. <laughs> I'm smelling. I'm smelling Grammy. Are right. we? <laughs> oh, Grammy. That's for music. <laughs> oh, it is. Yeah. It was, a, it was a little bit musical. But we are rock stars. What's the, yeah? We are rock stars. What's the one for? Um, for interviews. Uh, Pulitzer or something? I don't know. Journalism? What's the SAG Award? The SAG Award is for film? Yeah, acting. acting. That's for acting. We're going to get a SAG Award. We get a SAG Award. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Take care of yourself. And thanks for doing this thing. This was pretty cool. Wasn't it fun, Dad? Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> I love you. Love you too, baby. Bye. Bye. If you liked today's episode, please leave me a rating and review. And don't forget to subscribe. Thank you for listening. For more info about me, visit my website at heatherobble.com. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.